the, the Brady and Miami. I have a stuff. Venn diagram that I. Uh, I like that Venn diagram that you tweeted. I want to talk about the yeah. quarterbacks. Yeah. yeah, it was funny. Funny stuff. Did you I mean, make that? Also, yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna I, say that seemed I like created it today. Uh-huh. While I was at work. I was thinking yeah, you like set two circles on top of each other and mm-hmm. typed in the middle of it. That actually, I actually googled Venn diagram, diagram template and then I just <laughs> copied and pasted it into uh, Word Paint and yeah. then yeah yeah. 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 Probably would have been easier to do it in a word, to be honest with you. Paint is such a shitty program. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking trying to move text around after you put it on there. It's brutal. It's you can't do it. No, you can't do it. I I actually had created a list and then I had a label on there and it got all fucked up. And I was like, I'm just deleting this. I'm, sorry I'm out of here. I'm writing the quarterbacks in a, a separate document. document. So and then copying copy and pasting them, them if you need yes, to. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Instead of typing them one time and then hitting enter and being like, fuck. Yeah, right. Exactly. That shit is locked in. It's locked in. It'll and never it will change. Never change. Welcome in to It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. I'm Austin. Here with me is the day three prospect of Chiefs podcasters, Taylor Witt. What's going on, buddy? <laughs> is that an insult or a compliment? Day well, three? I mean, it well, depends. I it guess depends if I'm on a day three NFL or... prospect. That's pretty well, good. That's better than I ever did. Of podcasters, though. So we're talking about relative to... Now, if you're a day three pick, you're still in the you know Elite. top one percentile of podcasters, which I feel like is right where we're at. I mean, yeah. we are... Yeah, my we're on the grandma posted something the other day. She's 93 years old. She What's listened to the podcast. Uh, her name's Norma. Shout out, Norma. Uh, Appreciate you listening. Shout out to Norma Johnson in uh, Pratt, Kansas. Uh, she listened to the podcast the other day. If I had known that she was going to listen to it, I would have cleaned it up a little bit with the <laughs> language. Yeah, uh, sure. But she posted something on Facebook the other day. She's very tech savvy for a 93-year-old woman. And okay. uh, it was something about our, our listening stats. And like we're in like the top 4% podcasts or something with listeners whatever we're elite you're a day three prospect i'm more like a day two day three sleeper i would say but we got a great show for you guys today you can find me on twitter at real bird lawyer him at taylor underscore wit we're brought to you as always by sports illustrated's arrowhead report find on twitter si.com slash nfl slash chiefs that's not on twitter on twitter at arrowhead report pigskin podcast network at pigskin pod net always sunny merch to our friends at DabBod, DabBodT.com, or on Twitter at DabBodT. And, of course, our latest and greatest sponsor, Underdog Fantasy. Use our promo code SUNNY to get a match on your first deposit up to $100. And we're doing a listener league slow draft in Underdog. And it's so been slow to fill up. It's so been we need slow to, to fill up. Sign up. Appreciate you, Tojo. But, um, yeah, if anyone wants to join that, DM me, or I guess you can try tweeting Austin. It probably won't work, but uh, probably won't work. I don't. He's I don't probably blocked you by now. Yeah, that's true. If you're a Cardinals fan, definitely <laughs> out. <laughs> We've got a great show for you guys today. Uh, two items on the agenda: we have news, and we have draft talk. Dan Harms is coming back on to talk draft with us. That's going to be a great conversation. So stay tuned for that. The draft is two weeks away from tonight. We're recording this on Thursday the 14th. It starts on Thursday the 28th. We're two weeks away. We're going to get you hyped for that. But first, let's talk about the... News, 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 news
So with the draft two weeks away, the Chiefs are hosting their top 30 visits, or as we like to call them, 30 for 30 visits. What if I told you? <laughs> that what we if have I no idea you? about the origin of that joke? We don't have any idea about that, but I don't have any idea about the origins of 30 for 30 either. It's a strange title for a documentary series. Top 30 visits is also a strange name for what the Chiefs are doing. They're just hosting 30 players. It's not their top 30 players, whatever. 30 for 30 visits. Christian Watson, wide receiver, North Dakota State, coming in for a visit. Jamison Williams, wide receiver from Alabama, in for a 30 for 30 visit today, Thursday. He was in Kansas City. It's interesting because obviously we talked last week about how the Chiefs had hosted George Pickens. And so now you have three wide receivers coming in. Uh, they only get 30 of these visits. And these are all guys that are projected to go probably in the first 40 picks. I say probably in the first 40. With Williams, it's it's a given. It's a lock. He might be the first wide receiver taken in this draft. Yeah. Christian Watson and George Pickens are guys that certainly have been mocked, you know, in, at the end of that first round, beginning of the second round. That's kind of the tier that they're in. And all three of these guys have athleticism out the butt. Some of the most <laughs> athletic guys in this class, James Williams, obviously the fastest and most dynamic wide receiver in this class. We'll talk to Harms about him coming up. But it's interesting that the Chiefs traded away a extremely dynamic, fast wide receiver in Tyree Kill. And now they're taking some visits with some extremely dynamic, fast wide receivers. Well, I don't know. Extremely fast, dynamic, and expensive in Tyree Kill for extremely fast, dynamic, and rookie contract for that's true. one of these guys. I mean, that's, you know, people that kind of have chided the Chiefs a little bit about like, oh, so now you're looking for a wide receiver one. You just had one. You trade him. Away. Like, we couldn't afford him. That's how it goes. You know, send him off, and he Miami pays him a boatload of money, and now the Chiefs are, are going to try and find the closest thing to Tyreek Hill that they can afford. And maybe that's Jamison Williams. I don't know. Uh, can I also explain the origin of 30 for 30 to you? Yes, it please. was 30 documentaries that were released on ESPN's 30th anniversary in 2009. That's asinine. 30 documents believe. for year 30. Okay, I, I get that. But now we're in 2022 and they're oh, still doing them. There's definitely yeah. way more than 30. And it's, it's like now, 100 for 50 now. Yes. And now we're 13 years past yeah. the 30th anniversary. It's like 150 for 43. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah. It's a preposterous notion. They need to rename that series. And it's now, they can't get away from it. It's iconic, whatever. Yeah. They've released so many good 30 for 30s. They can't change it now, but it, it is a little bit of a of a nuisance to me. Speaking of a nuisance, Derek nice. Carr, nice. Nice. Las Vegas Raiders quarterback. Not necessarily a nuisance -y thing, but he signed a three-year extension with the Raiders. Three years, $121.5 million. It includes a no-trade clause. It runs through the 2025 season this was something that we obviously have teased on the show we've we've talked about it we knew it was probably coming when they traded for Devonte adams he kind of said in his presser i i made this commitment to the raiders because they told me they were going to make a commitment to Derek carr Derek carr obviously his teammate at fresno state for some reason Devonte adams said yes i would like me more yeah. of that guy <laughs> your initial reaction to hearing this news thank you Thank you, Raiders, for paying Derek Carr a bunch of money to continue to be the Raiders quarterback. Now, yes, he's been better lately. I'll yeah. Give him that. The bar was pretty low. It was. But but he's been able to step over that bar, especially last year. I still think that the Raiders are bringing a knife to a gunfight. Uh, despite his improvements, he's still the fourth best wide receiver, or the fourth best quarterback in the AFC West. 
And I just feel like if that's the guy they wanted to lock in, more power to you guys. Go for it. And it's worked out pretty well for his whole career for everyone else. So let's let's keep that train going. Yeah, I made a Venn diagram to illustrate what the Raiders are doing with Derek Carr. So great podcast I mean, content. Yeah, it is great podcast <laughs> content. Okay, I'm not going to describe to you the Venn diagrams <laughs> I made. I'm just going to paint a picture uh, for you listeners with words. And a Venn diagram, for those of you who don't know, uh, it's a series of circles. In this case, there's two circles. On the left-hand side, I have uh, created a circle that says better than Derek Carr. And that is a list of quarterbacks in the AFC who are better quarterbacks than Derek Carr. In the right-hand circle, I've created a category that says deep, cheaper than Derek Carr. Now, those are quarterbacks that are owed less money than Derek Carr over the next couple of years. Okay. And in the center, where these two circles intersect, that is the center of the Venn diagram. That is a both category. So that means quarterbacks that are both better than Derek Carr and also cheaper than Derek Carr. Now, okay. there are 16 teams in the AFC. Take the Raiders out. That means 15 teams that do not employ Derek Carr services. So that leaves 15 teams that have quarterbacks that are in the AFC, and those are the teams that Derek Carr is competing with, and the Raiders are competing with for those seven AFC playoff spots, right? You, you with mm -hmm. me so far? I'm, I'm, I'm here. Okay. So in that left-hand circle, better than Derek Carr, and let me know if you disagree with any of these, uh, the quarterbacks that I would say are clearly better than Derek Carr in the AFC, and I'm going to leave out a couple that are in the, the both circle. Yeah. So Patrick, Mah Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, and then I have Russell Wilson. And I put in parentheses, probably. Yeah. Um, I think Russell Wilson is probably better than Derek Carr, but the way that Russell Wilson played last year and the way Derek Carr played last year, I at least, you know, you could you could make an argument that maybe they're, they're pretty close. But I, I think Russell Wilson edges out Derek Carr. I agree with that. So on the right-hand side, cheaper than Derek Carr, this is an easy one because it's just a math problem. There's no subjectivity involved at all in this. We've got Mac Jones, quarterback for the New England Patriots. We've got Tua Tagovailoa, the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. You've got Zach Wilson. So all three of the quarterbacks that aren't Josh Allen in the AMC East are all on their rookie deals. They're all cheaper than $40 million a year Derek Carr. We've got Trevor Lawrence, who obviously was taken last year, the number one overall pick. He's still on his rookie deal, year two. We've got the Neck. Davis Mills, <laughs> also in year two of his rookie deal, coming back from the guy. Houston Texans. Yep. And finally, Mitch Dubrisky, former number former number two overall pick. Currently the starting quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers by default. It's very possible that that may change in two weeks. But for now, we've got six guys in this right-hand circle that are cheaper than Derek Carr. And I want to explain why this is significant. I'm not saying that you know, you'd rather have Mitch Dubrisky quarterbacking your team than Derek Carr. You wouldn't, uh, although, you know, a couple years ago, maybe maybe you could have had that argument. Sure. You don't want Mitch Trubisky. You'd rather have Derek Carr. But you're going to have to pay Mitch Trubisky $10 million a year, and you're going to have to pay Derek Carr $40 million a year, and that's a difference of $30 million. So it, would you rather have Mitch Trubisky and $30 million against the salary cap, or would you rather have Derek Carr for $40 million? Now, you probably still would rather have Derek Carr, but with some of the other guys on this cheaper list, it certainly is a much harder conversation, both because they're actually cheaper than Mitch Trubisky being on their rookie deals and because they're better than Mitch Trubisky. So a guy like Mac Jones, is Mac Jones $30 million worse than Derek Carr? Would I rather have Mac Jones and $30 million in cap space than Derek Carr? Probably. Yeah. Would I rather have Tua and Zach Wilson and certainly Trevor Lawrence and $30 million in cap space? 
Yeah, probably would. Uh, Davis Mills, I don't know. Davis Mills showed out. He beat one of the guys in my both tier. So let's <laughs> skip on over to the both tier. We've got two quarterbacks in that tier. They are Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. They are both better than Derek Carr, and they are both on their rookie deals, which makes them cheaper, cheaper than Derek Carr. So I'm just going to do some quick math for you here, add all okay. these up. Um, if we take the five quarterbacks in the left-hand circle and the six quarterbacks in the right-hand circle, that's uh, 11 quarterbacks. That is. If we add in the two that are in the middle of both circles, yeah. that gets us to 13 quarterbacks. Yeah. Now, there are 16 quarterbacks in the AFC, and one of them is Derek Carr. So that means that leaves us with just doing some quick math here. That leaves us with two quarterbacks in the AFC out of 16 that are neither better nor cheaper than Derek Carr. Now, and isn't Ryan Tannehill cheaper? Uh, yeah, he He's is. Thirty-eight point six million. Yeah, yeah, he is technically cheaper. I I fudged a little bit, and you know, like the the Lamar Jackson hasn't signed an extension yet. Uh, so like true. until he, Lamar Jackson moved. signs a deal, he would be in the the both technically yeah. because for this year he is cheaper than Derek Carr. Sure. I kind of did a little bit of subjective analysis there. Ryan Tannehill's cheaper, but not like dramatically cheaper right well um, and matt ryan's dramatically cheaper he's only 18 million they reworked oh, a ton true. of his oh, a shit. ton of his salary so i mean oh, that's fine that's the only two you're missing was so matt ryan and ryan Tannehill. probably need to move matt ryan to the cheaper than Derek Carr category i forgot that that the colts actually are paying him a lot less money than that's the falcons were so so that actually leaves one quarterback in the <laughs> entire afc who is neither better <laughs> nor cheaper than Derek Carr. now Taylor, yeah. Does that seem like a good? Does that seem like a good strategy for no, winning? No, it doesn't. You need a quarterback that's either really good or really cheap. Derek Carr is neither of those things. So this is a hilarious deal for the Raiders to make. I'm thrilled to death with it. I think, despite him, you know, improving quite a bit over the last two or three years, I just don't really get how this is a a good strategy for the Raiders to contend and. Not only that, they just traded away a ton of draft capital for Devontae Adams. So, you know, like, it's not even like they have, you know, multiple first-round picks to surround them with, like the Chiefs do. Or, you know, the Packers do in the NFC with Aaron Rodgers. Like, they don't have a lot of draft capital, and they don't have a lot of surplus cap space, and they don't have a top-seven quarterback, and they don't have a discount for him. So... Ah, there must be a strategy in there somewhere, but I'm not seeing it. <laughs> the NBA playoffs mean next level basketball. Get ready for all the action by betting the play-in tournament with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. You clinch a win no matter what. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on NBA hoops with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus, for each day of the play-in, get a risk-free bet up to $10 if your same-game parlay does not hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the play-in tournament and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TPPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details.
Okay, and joining us on the pod again for, I believe, the fourth, third time, I, I lose track, it's so much fun every time, is film analyst for FF Astronauts, RGR Football on YouTube. You know him, you love him. It's Daniel Harms at InHarmsWay19 on Twitter and Twitch. Daniel, how you doing tonight, buddy? Man, this is uh, this is the final, like, relaxation I get. We just yeah. dumped the draft guide, it's done. I still have a little bit of, like, day three guys that i'm gonna watch just to try to prep myself for the inevitability try to find some diamonds in the rough like i did last year that the chiefs might end up drafting and take some shots there but it's two weeks away or just under two weeks away now and i'm i'm excited let's talk about that draft guide that is that can be found at rogueapc.com that is the rogue analytics consulting draft guide that um you know, it's the you and Ryan Tracy joint and tell us about the guide and how hard it was to come together and, and how proud of it you are and all that stuff. Well, you know, it was this, this was really our first year of trying to actually combine the athletic matrix with actual film grades and not just blurbs, but we did a whole redoing of the system. We really focused on the first two days for most of the positions, if not all of them to try to really get um, a max amount of prospects in the first two days with legitimate breakdowns and actual grades this year we're going to focus on trying to tweak it next year so that we can not only get more people to help us with getting all the prospects done through day three maybe we'll see but also <laughs> actually yeah right it's a uh, we're, we're trying to like i said add some more people and really get more in depth with the actual draft itself most I mean, most people only really care about the first two days anyway. When you watch the third day, you really just have it on in the background or you check right. every once in a while to see who gets drafted and you don't that necessarily watch right. it. So <laughs> I know from – speak from experience. So uh, the last uh, – this 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 year just, you know, Ryan came came to me and said, would you mind spearheading the the film stuff? I'll obviously do some too, but it's been a, it's been a tough – three months now just trying to finish all these guys and get to the the rankings but i'm extremely proud of what we were able to accomplish and like i said it's not just the draft guide itself it's incorporated with the athletic matrix so you can see the grades you can see the the little summaries that are in there and then you can go right into the master athletic matrix and see how the grades compare with the strengths and our weaknesses that we've mentioned, and then go see how they measure up athletically. So I think it's a really cool um, way to to look at a, a draft guide, not just see, have to go to like the RAS or look up the specific athletic measurements. You can kind of have it all right there in front of you. Yeah, that makes total sense. We've been really into athletic measurements, um, you know, I would say recently, just as far as the new information that it gives about a player, it's not just box score information. It's really eye-opening how, you know, some of these guys can fall on the athletic, you know, range of mm -hmm. a guy that's crazy athletic, like a Creed Humphrey, um, to someone that, uh, you know, maybe falls lower on that scale and you hope that they can pick it up maybe on the football field. Like a Nick Bolton. Like a Nick Bolton, exactly, yeah, exactly right, who was not that athletic, but he sure showed out last year. Um, speaking of last year, and the off season uh, before we get into the draft stuff, I kind of want to get your temperature as far as, as a chiefs fan, how you felt about the direction, the off season's taken, obviously the big story, Tyree kill. And we'll talk about that, but just in general, how are you feeling the chiefs have as far as their game plan to approach the off season before the draft? This feels like one of the most slow off seasons that the chiefs have had recently last year. There was a, a pretty big, 
attempt made to shore up that offensive line. They had to get something done, figured out, and they did. And then, you know, what was it, three weeks before the draft, they traded for Orlando Brown Mm -hmm. Jr. They solidified their offensive line and then in the draft with the center. So right now we haven't really seen outside of the wide receiver moves that they made a couple things here and there signing Justin Reed. It's kind of been a slow attempt at maybe keeping what they have when the entire AFC has blown up around them, the AFC West, the AFC itself has been trying to catch up with the chiefs and they seem to have stayed the course, addressed some positions, trying to still while trading Terry Hill, try to take what they have and adapt their offense to what's happening everywhere else. But trying to also show, in my opinion, show that Patrick Mahomes can still be explosive and be this offense with to a degree, a lesser offense around him. I think that that's right. perfectly acceptable to, at this point, see, we assume there's going to be some taken, some steps taken forward from guys like McCole Hardman and maybe some guys that were drafted last year in Cornell Powell to try to get on the field. There's going to be a lot of Josh Gordon's talk. There's going to be people talking about Corey Coleman, who probably won't even make this roster. But <laughs> right. at the end of the day, I think that they've done what they thought was the right thing to do in trading Tyreek Hill to not only adapt their offense and not so much focus it directly on two players and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and help themselves adjust to the defenses and have defenses maybe focus less on a specific player or two specific players and really allow themselves to change. And I think that that's going to benefit them overall but again, that's an off-season head, head, an off-season understand, understatement, and possibly we don't really know what's going to happen. It's all guesstimation based off of right. everything that we've seen from Andy Reid specifically trying to adapt to defenses and change his offense with time. So, I mean, as well as far as the off-season goes, like it's been a lukewarm one for me. They have twelve picks in the upcoming draft, so we'll see right. how that works. There's always going to be a lull in some of the areas. They still are going to have to address some positions before the draft defensive end. <clears throat> but <laughs> other than that, um, yeah, it should be fun. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's been interesting just to note kind of the talent that's left Kansas mm-hmm. City. You know, the last couple of years, especially since Mahomes got here, it's been run it back the last couple of years. And yeah. There's really they haven't let guys too many guys walk in free agency, but of course. Now the guys that are that have even signed that have gone on new teams, you know, Charverius Ward, that's a big one. Um, even Pringle and D Rob going to mm-hmm. different teams is big. Um, they did the, the guys they've signed back aren't really huge impact guys. Derek Naughty, Andrew Wiley, Blake Bell, those guys are, you know, they're they're not gonna make any headline news by any means. Um, free agency wise, do you feel like the Chiefs are are kind of holding some bullets back as far as how much they could be spending? I mean, I know so they freed up. Let, let's talk about Tyreeks because we got to get okay. that out of the way. That was the big, 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 big offseason move: trading Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins, getting his salary off the books, getting a bunch of picks back, but losing the most probably offensively dynamic playmaker in the NFL. So. When the trade happened, um, I tuned into your YouTube, your live YouTube pretty quickly after that. And so I, I I know, you know, a lot of what your gut reaction was to it. But after now having sat with it for a little bit, do you feel like because Tyreek Hill, because the Chiefs couldn't afford to keep him, this was the only move? Like, it, were they stuck between a rock and a hard place with this? Yeah, I think they definitely were. And when you 
when I look at the whole situation, I know there's a lot of differing opinions out there. I'm more of the opinion that they were not necessarily like Tyree Kill, you can take this or leave it in terms of we're going to pay you to be the most, to be the best receiver in the NFL and get that Devonte Adams money. I'm more of the opinion that his agent saw what was going to happen. He saw some tea leaves with Devonte Adams and he said, yeah. you should wait this out. And because we know how Drew Rosenhaus is, he's a shark. He, yeah. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows how to get the most for his, his agents. Tyree kill is like you said, the most dynamic explosive playmaker in the entire NFL. It's not even a question, yeah. honestly. Right. And, when you're that valuable, even going to 29 years old, you're going to be able to make money. And that's the the main thing. We know that the Chiefs had an offer on the table. We know it was there. And Tyreek Hill turned it down. Okay. So as a team, you tell yourselves, we can offer him more money. We, we can. Or we can say, look at, our, look at our offense in the mirror. Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey are there. Okay. We can take this money that we're going to be saving by trading Tyree Kill. Take these draft picks that we're going to get, and then we can find a way to adapt our offense to how they're playing us defensively going forward. Because yeah. as much as Tyree Kill helps and does things that nobody else can do, I personally think it, at times it handicaps the, the offense, especially when so much of the offense runs through two guys. I think that that handicaps everyone else to an extent Terry kill Travis Kelsey earned Patrick Mahomes' trust so early on in his career that he almost gravitated toward them even in situations when he shouldn't have yeah. so as much as, as we all want Terry kill like I said when I when it first happened I was sick that he was being traded and I didn't believe that it was going to happen and it did it's come to the realization for me that in order to better the team as a whole, as much as an offense can rely on a quarterback, it needs to rely on a quarterback. It needs to grow through bringing in new players, getting younger, getting different in terms of not just doing the same stuff over and over again because Terry Kill will make it work or Travis Kelsey will make it work um, and things like that. So it well, I think, sucks. I think we saw with the NFL is that, you know, they are all very quick to adapt. Mm -hmm. the, the defensive coordinators and, you know, it took – it took a couple of years of the Chiefs basically doing whatever they wanted on offense. And then the NFL said to hell with that. And we're going to go out and we're going to, you know, find a way to beat that team. And I'm not sure if the Chiefs saw that coming. And so you're right. Maybe the Chiefs coming out with a new look offense is going to be kind of the the curveball, the the off-speed pitch that they need to get back on top on their on their offensive way. Mm -hmm. Speaking of the offense, MVS, Juju feel okay about those pickups think those are going to be you know positive developments for the chiefs well for juju smith schuster i think that there's room for growth still 25 years old and coming off an injury i think in, in an offense like this he can actually test out some things that he did earlier in his career and be a little bit more dynamic than we've seen the last few years specifically 2020 where he was still like a bowling ball in terms of being physical and going to get the football but I think he still has a little bit of dynamicism that you can squeeze out of him. And hopefully that injury can, he can come back and really be okay. Mark Valdez scaling is really who he is. In my opinion, I don't think you're going to see much of a change. He's a field stretching player that has an improved ability to take the ball away in contested catch situations, still has some weird drops littered in his, his film. 
but he's not a dynamic route runner. He's not a dynamic yards after catch guy. That's just who he is. I don't, he's not this supreme athlete. You're getting a guy who can help you stretch the field, still forcing defenses to kind of remain honest with that two deep safeties in a sense, because if yeah. you bring out that one safety, they will just run McCole Hardman and MVS on a deep angle route and a deep <laughs> go. Like that's what yeah. they'll do. <laughs> just, they'll still attack it. So you still have to respect that aspect but it, it allows you time now to draft a receiver or to bring somebody and develop another receiver and still have that threat of if you go to go one deep safety, we're going to just burn you on both sides of the field. So there's an old new age offense of the Chiefs out now. They still have yeah. the ability to do so. But we, we are seeing Juju Smith-Schuster 6-1. Mar Marquez Valdez-Scantling, 6'4". There is an adaptation to some size in the Chiefs offense. Obviously, Corey Coleman and uh, Josh Gordon are both over six foot. So there is this developing sense that, in my opinion, Andy Reid wants to change and try to pivot a little bit in the way that he adapts his offense, which I'm interested to see how they do, do, do that with these bigger receivers this year. I am too, for sure. Uh, final off-season question, and then we're going to get into draft stuff because that's what everybody is <laughs> chomping at the bit for. Um, that's what I'm chomping at the bit for. Come, <laughs> so, on, come on, come on, come on. I know. The guys that are former Chiefs that haven't signed anywhere yet, of those names, obviously Tyron Matthews the big name, mm -hmm. but even guys like Melvin Ingram, Daryl Williams, uh, Jarek McKinnon, a couple of those guys, uh, do you see any – I feel like Melvin Ingram's kind of been waiting in the wings for, for months now, right? Like, I, I don't know about – I don't think Badger's going going to come back here, not after everything that's gone down. But do you feel like Ingram's probably the best bet at a reunion of that group? I think he's the only one, honestly. Yeah. I think yeah. that the running backs, they're going to get younger and, and different because you bring – you have Rojo now. You have Clyde. Then if you bring Daryl back, you have like three almost – relatively similar style backs obviously rojo's yeah. faster that's yeah. that's pretty much the only difference in my opinion um and then Jarek, who i think is not coming back at all because even though he was a different change of pace than clyde was last year when he was still coming back from injury he's not as fast as he used to be i thought it was showing a little bit here and there so i, I do think that they they don't want to go in that direction that they'd rather just bring in a udfa or maybe a seventh round pick and melvin ingram doesn't want to doesn't want to do training camp. That's pretty much yeah. I think what we've all kind of under, understood sure. about yep. his situation. You know? Yeah, he's like I don't want to deal with this wear and tear on my body. I know what I can do. You know what I can do. So let's just kind of figure this out now in terms of I'm not going to do in camp. Just sign me to a deal and I'll figure out what I need to do. So obviously he was visiting with the Miami Dolphins, wasn't it? Right. Yeah. Recently. So there's that on the, the counter. I don't think that he's going to be visiting with the chiefs considering he was just here. So yeah, he, knows just what, be, he knows what they're offering. Yeah. yeah it, it'll just be a, whenever the offer hits the table, if it does. And if it doesn't, that leads me seriously questioning what the chiefs are doing at defensive end because they have nobody. They have, they have nobody. That's right. We're being very honest that we have nobody. Frank Clark is a guy. Okay. Yeah. That's who he is. He's basically nobody. So, and you, if you, if they're, and he's our best defensive end. Exactly. If they're telling us right now before the draft that they have Frank Clark as their starter, and then Mike Dana, Joshua Kendo, Malik Herring, who nobody knows about, nobody <laughs> right. knows, not even, not even his parents. Not even, exactly. Like no, no one has a clue what that guy's gonna do. 
Um, if they're telling us that's what it is going into 2022 season and then draft picks, there are some serious, serious questions with the way that they're handling this defense. And it's starting to worry me just a little bit. Like that's not, it's not, it's not safe. It's not responsible. And frankly, it's downright disrespectful. (laughs) (laughs) So Dan, let's talk about the draft and let's start, I guess, at Ed Drescher, because obviously the chiefs could bring Ingram back. There are still a few guys left on the free agent market. Jadavion Clowney doesn't have a deal yet, but for the most part, all of the guys with juice and without question marks in free agency, which is always a thin number at edge rusher. Anyway, those guys don't get to free agency. Those guys are long gone. So mm-hmm. even assuming the chiefs bring back Ingram, we're talking about a guy who had, I think one sack with the chiefs last year in the regular season, a guy who is 32 years old, who has some injury issues, and he's going to be the presumptive starter across from Frank Clark. That still seems like a situation where while it's not, as you characterized it, irresponsible to go into the season <laughs> with that being your situation at a dresser, it's still not great. So if you are Brett Veach and we are on draft night um, two weeks from now, we're recording this on Thursday, draft night, first round, two weeks away. What's your plan at edge rusher going into the draft? Let's say the Chiefs do bring back Ingram. That makes things a little bit clearer and a little bit less reckless. Um, who are some of the guys that you're looking at? Picks 29, picks 30, or maybe a little bit higher in the first round. So regardless, I think you need to address edge in the first two days, possibly double dipping, especially if they stay where they are. They have six picks in the first two days. That's a lot of ammunition to do what they have to do to go trade up, to go get somebody to, to take multiple stabs at defensive end. And if you're thinking about next year, even with Ingram, just think of it as Frank Clark and then Ingram and Mike Dana as your opposite starter, just as one sole person one to play the the rundowns and dana and then ingram to come in as as more of a pass rush guy that's what you're looking at that's a one-year fix let's assume some because all of those guys or at least ingram and clark are probably gone after 2022 exactly and then again we're right back in the situation where we were where you have a young defensive or defensive end and mike dana who can't really rush the passer who's again a run defender like Frank Clark, like, what are we looking at here? And then you have young guys with no experience. So you have to double dip. You have to plan for the future. That's why they, I think that they they have accumulated this much draft capital this year to go after a couple players. If they stay where they are, you're looking at Boy Mafe out of Minnesota. You're probably also looking at David Ajabo out of Michigan because he's going to fall down the draft with his recent Achilles injury. And there's always the just the, I hate it. I hate I hate Steve Spagnuolo for putting me in this situation <laughs> to having to talk about George Karlathis because I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, he was yeah. <laughs> two but, weeks in a row that we have people hating on George Karlathis. Poor guy. I mean, it's not. I, I have no issues with the with the person. It's just the simple <laughs> fact of the matter of defenses needing to be more athletic. You have to be able to bend. You have to be sure. able to do these things in today's NFL. You have to. The, the tackles are too athletic. You can't be a stand up, stiff defensive end and George Kalaftis is the version of that he's long he's powerful and that's kind of what Steve Spagnuolo wants he wants these long these big long athletes that can compress the pocket instead of really more about creating pressures like they were last year they created a ton of pressures they didn't convert any of these sacks so I, I would prefer to go in a direction in a, a Mafe and Ojabo even in an Ebiketti in the second round that give you that athletic bend some burst off the line with with hands and length to be able to convert but if we're talking about going up there's a couple really really probably one player jermaine johnson out of florida state 
that has all of that with power and speed off the edge, a legitimate speed rusher with speed to power. These are the, the things that we're looking for in today's NFL to combine. So you have to take multiple picks at defensive end, in my opinion. And like I said, if you start, if you see these next two weeks, if Melvin Ingram comes back to Kansas City in these next two weeks, I firmly believe it's because the Chiefs are getting ready to take a shot on David Ojabo to try to say, we don't care about 2022. You worry about coming back for 2023 because sure. that's what you're going to be. You're going to come in and be our uh, be a starter, period. And then take somebody else and maybe like an Ebiketti to pair with him next year and you have your one-two or you have um, your developmental processes in Joshua Kando that maybe sure. he takes the next step because he's also an athletic guy with the long arms, the strength, but we haven't really seen him. He got hurt last year, so... Defensive end, you have to take two I, I, in this draft in the first two days. I think it's almost a necessity at this point. Would you say that of the the main positions of need, and obviously edge is one, wide receiver, which we'll talk about in a second, mm -hmm. is another. And secondary, I would say, whether it be cornerback or safety, those are kind of the Chiefs' top needs at this point in time. Would you say that of those positions, edge is the one that they're most likely to trade up for? Because obviously when you're talking about picking at 29 and 30, um, you're not necessarily going to grab a really dynamic edge rushing talent unless it's somebody like Ojabo that, that is pushed down the board because of injury. Do you think there's any possibility that they trade up to get an edge that maybe was projected to go closer to the top 10 that is sliding down the boards for some reason? I think it's possible, but I'm not entirely sure that this – regime has shown us the want to in the first round in any way get a defensive end i know that sure. there was the trade-up for the unnamed unmentionable <laughs> breland speaks sure but if you really look at the breland speaks trade they got him and put him in a position where he was uncomfortable and then they asked him to play as a stand-up rusher not a hand in the dirt guy and then by the time he, he got into this next year it was all over so regardless um if, if they do go up there's possibilities and in, in my opinion it's only going to be for jermaine johnson he's okay. the only guy that i think can fall out of the top 10 i believe Kayvon thibodeau trayvon walker and aiden hutchinson are all going inside the top five right well let's talk about another one of those positions of need that the chiefs could potentially trade up for and that's wide receiver so the chiefs have been hosting top 30 visits with wide receiver obviously it's a need after trading away tyree kill they can't replace tyree kill one for one with a player in this draft we know that we can't replace tyree kill one for one with any player that exists or has ever existed probably in the history of the nfl but this is a deep wide receiver class uh by all accounts and it seems like just going through the various draft guides and everything that while this is a, a deep wide receiver class it does seem to be lacking in those true alpha wide receivers. So a guy like Jamar Chase, who obviously went fifth last year, there's no guy like Jamar Chase in this class. But are there any guys, I mean, like, from a from an ex-receiver true alpha standpoint, who is the closest thing to that guy in this draft class? Man, it's, it, it's tough because you have your physical profiles in Drake London and George Pickens. Those guys are the, the tall more physical players and unfortunately Drake London just got hurt the last season you have Pickens coming off of an injury and right. it's really hard to know what he's going to be like there was you know Justin Ross was one of those guys but he hasn't looked anywhere close to what he did right. two years ago and the other bigger body guy Traylon Burks is just not an X receiver. He can't play against physicality. He doesn't know how to run routes. He's right. like a slot receiver, like a, a big slot, basically. It's what you're right. looking at in him. And 
really, really what it comes down to is do these smaller receivers, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, they can beat press, that can get open on the outside. Can they be a true X in the NFL? There's no way to really know in terms of having them produce at that level when you're up against press in the NFL. So the X position is changing, in my opinion, uh, but George Pickens is probably the best bet to be that guy in Kansas City. And Drake London's probably going to be a guy who goes a little bit higher out of their reach. I'm not sure they would trade up for him, uh, but they've already visited with George Pickens, as we know. And he has the ability to separate at all three levels. I think he's a bit nuanced in his route releases, not all the way developed yet, still has a route package that needs developing. Georgia's not the best offense in terms of throwing the football. So right. it's it's hard to really get a gauge on what he can do because they don't ask him to do a whole lot. And that's another problem with watching Georgia football where they just run the ball and ask Stenson Bennett to try to throw the ball somewhere else. And it, it just it makes a hard dynamic for watching. But Pickens has the profile. He has the athletic ability prior to his injury to be that guy in Kansas City. And I think you're looking at him possibly going in this back half of the first round now, even with his injury. So I was going to ask you about Pickens because we we talked to Craig Stout with KCSN last week. You mentioned, obviously, Pickens has had a top 30 visit with the Chiefs. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, that's probably mostly a medical-related issue since he tore his ACL in 2021 and came back in the playoffs. But I just was going to ask you where you kind of have Pickens ranking-wise because we've seen him kind of all over the map. Uh, KCSN has them as their wide receiver one in this class. I think they're the highest that I've seen on them. Uh, Sam Monson with PFF, I think, had Pickens as his wide receiver five. Um, the Athletics, Dame Brugler, had him as wide receiver eight. And I've kind of seen him mostly in that wide receiver seven to wide receiver nine range. But it's hard to say how much of that is health-related when you're ranking. I know KCSN does not take health into account really at all. They're just looking at tape. I know some of these guys that are a little bit more plugged into the league, like maybe Dane is a little bit, uh, maybe is taking those medicals into account a little bit. But the, obviously, these guys that are, are ranking these guys don't have access to his medicals um, directly. So kind of a divisive prospect, I guess. But where do you have Pickens kind of ranked in this class? I have him as my wide receiver seven right now. And when you, even if you look at his 2022, one tape there's very little of it it does he doesn't look the same so if you're just going based off of his 2019 and 20 what was it 20 just early 2020 tape it's it's really hard to judge a player based on tape from two three years ago so sure you look at what you have here you kind of try to package everything together take into account he's injured at least in, in my process i watched his rookie season or his, excuse me his freshman year where he actually came onto the scene had a little bit of a slump in his sophomore season got hurt and then came back and it's piecing it together is the the biggest thing so there's a lot of projection with pickens he's a, to a lesser degree than a guy like uh justin ross who's also had that big season two years ago and then got hurt and hasn't been the same but george pickens seems to be coming back from that injury much better i didn't see ross able to do that last year but again two offenses that really struggled last year and I, I think that Ross's issue was not just him not being fully healthy after a back fusion, which that's scary enough to think about itself, sure. but he did yeah. play all last season. And then he had to deal with 
the quarterback play in Clemson last year after playing with Trevor Lawrence. So right. frustration sets in, I would imagine, for a guy who was as uber talented as Ross was. But Pickens coming back, having that big play in the national championship game where he just blew by the corner is comfort for me. Running the 40 he did, not fully healthy in my opinion, is also another uh, bump for me. So right. he would have been deep deeper in this class in terms of his overall grade had he not actually been able to show the deep speed and be able to get open and make that cast make that catch out in front of him diving which is his normal play style things that he he plays with reckless abandon just downfield i'm gonna dive for the football i don't really care about my body and he did that in the national championship game so there was all bump in his grade for me and hoping that projection leads into a, a rookie season where he doesn't have to do too much especially if he lands in kansas city we know that rookies don't play a huge part in the offense and behind juju smith schuster and travis kelsey and mbs and mccall hardman i think it was a good place for him to sit and learn and contribute every, every once in a while so another guy that, besides Pickens, you mentioned kind of the, the difficulties in assessing tape when you have guys with injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, another guy that stands out just in terms of his size and speed combination is Christian Watson from North Dakota State. And he has a top 30 visit scheduled with six teams, which includes the Chiefs. He's a guy who's almost 23, obviously did not face elite competition at all playing at North Dakota State. Um, but he's 6'4", and he ran a 4.36. So... How do you evaluate a guy like that who really is not playing against anything remotely resembling NFL competition, but then comes out and puts up, I don't know, I haven't looked at the athletic matrix that you guys have for him, but obviously you're 6'4", he's, he's not necessarily mm-hmm. heavy. He actually has a pretty similar build to MVS, but a guy who's tall and probably could fill out a little bit and ran a 4'3", how do you evaluate a guy like that who hasn't faced elite competition and where do you have him ranked? So there's a lot of context that goes in with Christian Watson. Film is obviously one of the big parts, but he was number two in in the entire wide receiver athletic matrix ranks. So he was the second best athlete, which makes sense when you consider his size, what he did at the combine and what he's shown pretty much ever since the draft process has started. So that's the first check. He's got an uber upside with that athletic frame. You also have to remember that NDSU is not a get the guy our best guy, the ball kind of offense. They run the football. They are very run oriented. They ask him to do a lot of blocking. The effort is all there with Christian Watson. He wants to finish blocks as well. He's got the frame to do it. Use a little bit more weight, honestly, to deal with some physicality. And the big problem is that his tape is just curls. He runs like goes and curls. That's it. And then you, you see his jet sweeps and just get in the ball kind of stuff. But for a guy, his size, it's, Always nice to see him the way he moves. I'm less on top of his ability in terms of, you know, being a yak player in the NFL because I don't see as much twitch combined with the vision that a lot of people are projecting. I see him kind of a, kind of as a weaver he just weaves through traffic and he's got decent contact balance so that's why he doesn't always go down but in the open field he's not going to you know always just make an NFL defender miss and then you look at when you're at one of the smaller schools, I want would want you to completely dominate the players, you're, the, right. the guys you're playing against. Like every single game, you dominate. That's what you should do. You're the best player on the field on both sides. You have to be able Fly to around, dominate. Make plays, dominate. 
Exactly. That's what you have to do. And there's just too many times where Christian Watson doesn't do that. And that, that worries me a little bit. I don't, he also drops the ball at one of the highest rates in this entire draft class. It's 12.7% or something like that in terms with his drops. It's, it's not great, but everything is there. And that's what people see that upside. It's much like Trayvon Walker for in this class, except you played at Georgia instead of NDSU. Right. He's sure. got all of the traits to be the best defensive player in this draft class problem is that he doesn't understand pass pass rush a little bit and that also has to do with georgia they didn't ask him to always be a pass rusher and it's the same with christian watson they did not ask him to always be the best player on the field they didn't ask him to run a diverse route tree they didn't funnel him the ball at all costs and that will hurt your your draft your film grade and even to that extent it's hard to parse what he can do with what he was asked to do and even if you single out the senior bowl where he had a good showing like in the one one-on-ones one-on-ones are extremely unreliable for predicting future success because the wide receiver can do whatever they want to do and the corner has basically no idea what's happening what's going to happen they just have to rely on their reactive athleticism so sure. it's it's a tough evaluation but i personally had christian watson graded as my 13th um wide receiver in this in this draft class so Let's let's say uh, we obviously we've talked a little bit about Pickens. We've talked about Watson. Those are both guys that are visiting the Chiefs. We heard today that Jameson Williams is going to be visiting the Chiefs, uh, a guy that certainly mm -hmm. has been rumored to be going as high as top 10 in this class. Certainly a lot of buzz and it's hard to know with uh, smoke screens and things like that you know, how much of that is really true, whether he will actually be uh, available for the Chiefs. They certainly seem like they'd have to go up and get him. But if the Chiefs had their pick of the litter in this draft class, um, even if they had to trade up, like who is the best fit for the chiefs offense out of this entire class? Man, it's probably Jameson Williams. Like it's, <laughs> sure. That's, that's like who they, they want. They want the elite athlete. They want the They speed. want Tyree kill. Yeah. I mean, that's another problem though, is if you're going to chase a Tyree kill and you go and get a player like Jameson Williams and you invest all the draft capital in it, and then he's not what ends up happening. You end up being Super worse hard. off than you were. So, sure. yeah, so that's one of the problems. I, I still have Jameson as the best receiver in this class. Not by a whole lot. Uh, I think Garrett Wilson's right behind him. Uh, but I do think that any one of the top, you know, three or four guys would fit really, really well. I know there's been a lot of talk about Jahan Dotson. But if you, you, you bring in Jahan Dotson, you're pretty much saying, Nicole Hardman, you're done, in my <laughs> opinion. I, sure. I think that that's what sure. you're doing. And you're also not replacing a guy on the outside because I think Dawson's going to be a slot in the NFL. He's just got that that body. She's have like ten slot receivers. Exactly. Like there's you need you need guys that can win on the outside that can separate and that can consistently make plays. So Chris Olave is a natural route runner. He's the the best route runner in this class by a by a large margin. And I don't I don't think that that's a really a question among most people, but. The question for him is, is yeah, can he, the frame too, he's a, he's a lighter player, much like Garrett Wilson. These are smaller receivers that yes, they can win on the outside. They can create separation and in college they can beat press. Can they beat that in the NFL? Right. Going to be some questions. Um, obviously I think people have talked about Traylon Burks fitting into this offense, but we've talked a little bit about that. I think he's a big slot. And again, chiefs have slot receivers for days. They need, outside so the fit is jameson williams that's why there's been so much smoke about him coming to kansas city or the chiefs doing whatever they can to get him because he is the one player in this draft that can put 
legitimate fear in defenses. He's the only one. And I think that him and Drake London have completely opposite like games. Drake London can kind of do that in terms of if he's near you around you, the ball can come and he can just win. Like that's, that's what he does. That's his game. Sure. But Williams, the way he eats space, he's right. the most sudden player in this draft in the last few drafts. Honestly, I think he's even more sudden than Jalen Waddle was last wow. year. So it's, that's the kind of difference making fear factor that they're looking for. And that's really what Jamison Williams does. Well, and Jalen Waddle went six overall last yeah. year. So obviously if the chiefs are looking for that in Jamison Williams and other teams also see that in Jamison Williams, could be pretty tough for the chiefs to get him. Let's talk about one other position of need for the chiefs, which obviously is the secondary. And we know that the chiefs mm-hmm. have needs there. They signed Justin Reed. Um, uh, pretty much as a one-for-one replacement for Tyron Matthew, which we'll see how that works out. Um, at least, you know, Justin Reed is certainly is a, a younger player. But they have needs at cornerback. They really could probably use a third safety. We know that the Chiefs don't typically invest early draft capital on defensive backs. Mm-hmm. Do you see that changing at all this year? They kind of have to. <laughs> they don't yeah, know if they have much of a right. choice, right? Like, I think that we've seen them say, eh, we don't necessarily have to draft corners until the fourth round and that has worked out well for them in the past but as your defense starts to become more of a problem in an afc west that's becoming even stronger offensively you have to get talent youth and legitimate star power at your corner positions you have your two safeties now you have legerious need and then you have i know we all like rashad fenton but you have nobody outside of legerious need that's who you have Fenton's a fine complimentary player who can come into the slot and play on the outside a little bit, maybe a little bit of safety. That's what he is. He can play all around, but he is not a starter. He can in terms celebrate. Of, he can. He he can <laughs> celebrate. He can he can get flagged for holding all day, and that's I'm okay with that. I got no problems with holding. I think that that's fine. Receivers push off. DBs need to hold a little bit. I don't care. Yeah. But you have to get more playmakers in your secondary. That's going to be at in the slot. I think that Daxton Hill is one of the guys that they're probably looking at. He makes the defense better. He can play safety. He can play in the slot, like a legitimate slot in the NFL. But you also need guys on the outside. And I'm curious how they're going to attack that because this corner class is not exactly the long-armed guys that they would be looking for, I think. I think Rashad Fenton is different in that regard because they haven't asked him to play a true man up on the outside. And... So his shorter arms don't impact that negatively. But Legarius is longer. And I think that they're going to be looking for a corner with over 31, 32-inch arms. That's just not this class unless you get an Andrew Booth, unless you get some of the top guys. And unfortunately, unless Andrew Booth falls out of the first round because of his injuries, which have been popping up lately, there's been a couple surgeries that he's just had recently so that might push him down some boards then but you're still taking a chance on him i i I still have him personally as the the second third best corner in this class so again taking a chance on a guy who's got all the athletic traits the length you're looking for is, is possible but let's run the scenario that andrew booth and david ojabo your first two picks in this draft who's playing for you in your first year so (laughs) you have to kind of figure out the best way to go about it and it also might be double dipping dipping at corner like there's potential 
with these first two days of picks to double up in multiple need areas to get younger, to get better, and to get starters on your defense and possibly in your offense. So I don't rule anything out in terms of defensive end, uh, even wide receiver and corner and double dipping on those first two days. And I think they just as much as they desperately need to on defensive end, I think they desperately have to at corner. Well, Dan, this has been awesome. I got to, I got to say before we let you go, I just want you to make a prediction. Uh, it's it's uh, draft night. We're we're fast forwarding to two weeks. Uh, it's uh, 9:47 Arrowhead time. I don't know what time the draft kicks off, but we're probably getting pretty close to the Chiefs being on the clock. If you know Brett hasn't uh, packaged both picks to uh, move up into the top ten or something like that, something insane. What are the Chiefs going to do when they're on the clock uh, with 29 and 30, assuming they stay put uh, two weeks from now? If they stay put, it's going to be a defensive end and a wide receiver. I'm 100% convinced of that. Who they are, I couldn't tell you, but I'll give you a couple names. I, I do think Boy Mafe is on their radar at defensive end. I think Chris Olave is on their radar if he doesn't get fun. taken by the Packers. Yeah, the Packers I also believe expect. George Pickens is going to be a first-round pick, and I think that he's – He's right there on their radar too. Unfortunately, George Koloff, this is there as well. Um, <laughs> that's I think that that's a, a just a, an obvious connection that he's got with Spags, and I th- feel like he starts falling down the the draft board. He's just going to start fiending, like fiending. Um, but my prediction is this is what I'll say: that the two players that do get drafted, it's going to be David Ojabo, and it's going to be. George Pickens at 29 and 30. Mm, I take it. Well, folks, if you liked that analysis, you can check more of it out on the athletic guide at rogueapc.com for the draft upcoming. That is Daniel Harms at In Harms Way 19. Uh, buddy, we really appreciate it once again. And I hope you're ready for draftmas because it's right around the corner. Thank you guys so much for having me. I always, I always enjoy coming on here and I appreciate all the kind words. You guys do a great job and I'm looking forward to being on again. You know, that's the end. Doesn't have to be a whole big thing every single time. You know, that's life. That's just sort of how how shit goes. (laughs) Sometimes things just sort of 